This is Rogues on the Road with Matt Froman and Rich Marshall, where we talk food, travel, craft beverages, and everything in between. Welcome to Rogues on the Road. We're going to talk food, travel, adventure, a bit of booze, and everything in between. Everything in between. And that's where we seem to be going a lot of these days. I'm Rich Marshall. I'm Matt Froman. And uh, we've got a very special guest with us tonight um, from Diner Brew Company. Mr. Chris Sheldon. Yes. Thanks hey, for coming. guys. Thanks for having me on tonight. Hey, thanks for coming on, man. We're excited to... Uh, talk cider and not just cider and some different types of cider you take a very different approach to it i appreciate that yeah you know i'll i'll go down whatever road you want to talk about apples to another level (laughs) it's gonna get weird (laughs) all right um so uh tonight's show beverage our first show beverage we're gonna do three beverages correct correct Right, we're gonna do three beverages. We'll work our way up. I've got three in front of me. That's beautiful. Perfect. Not for long. Um, you are out <laughs> of uh, where now? So we're producing in Mount Vernon, New York. Okay. And we're mostly a Westchester-based company. Okay. We are quickly expanding our footprint into the city, five cool. boroughs, and uh, we touch some of Dutchess and Putnam County as well. Yeah. Mostly, we just wanted to have our production limited to where we're from and where we're producing and get out to retail in our local market. So it's a hyper-local product. We make it all here. Orchards in Rockland County, cool. uh, right across the Tappan Zee Bridge, and it is being distributed, self-distributed by moi. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know what that's like. <laughs> through, yeah. That's a work. It's a hustle, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but we're doing that throughout Westchester County, mostly. Cool. Very cool. How long have you been going? We've been up and at it uh, since about October. We've been in front of the public. We were licensed by the state in August, and we started our commercial lease last May. Oh, that's cool. Pretty yeah, new so still. About a year old, um, according to the lease. We haven't been able to, you know, make money that entire time, but, you know, since we were able to sell, October, so like five months old. Perfect. And you're, um, you are actually, um, you're using apples pretty much just from New York State, but we're, we're going to talk about it when we Solely. get deep into it. Um, Exclusively from New York yeah, State. Yeah, and cool. you've got some really interesting. I've saw some interesting Apple pictures, so we'll, we'll talk about that too. <laughs> I'm going to post. Uh, I'm posting a link right now for Diner Brew. Sure. Um, while we're doing that, um, why don't we crack open your flagship and what you think your flagship is? Yeah, sure. No, it's definitely our flagship. It's our bestseller. Um, it's our. Seed des Huguenots, uh, which is the mascot from New Rochelle, the Huguenot, and that's my hometown. That's why we named it the Cider of the Huguenot. Um, goes back to a little bit of historical interpretation. They settled the town, brought a lot of uh, pomological knowledge with them, and helped bring um, some of the first orchards into New York State. There are actually like three pears from New, New Rochelle. The Lawton Blackberry is from New Rochelle, so... And these are varietals of, these are, of heirloom apples. Yes, yes. The Churchland, Huntington, and... Ooh, you're going to have to get back to me on the third one. I'm forgetting <laughs> it. I'll look it up during this, but... Sounds good. We've got a bunch coming from the town, and I'm also French in my uh, inheritance, so basically I wanted to have this tie-in to this farmhouse yeah. fermentation, my French family, the fact that New Rochelle is settled by French apple growers, um... So that's where it all comes to this name, the Cider of the Huguenots. That's and cool. it's my farmhouse cider, wild yeast from upstate New York in the St. Lawrence River Valley. Oh. And uh, so the yeast is from New York. The apples are coming from Rockland County. Um, we like to have a nice blend of bitter apples, high acid apples in there, good dessert apples. So you have nice sugars on there too yeah. to ferment uh, to a higher alcohol level. It's very dry, 
7.3% alcohol. and uh, That's pretty high. That kind of, yeah, that's it's not the norm for the cider making industry to have <laughs> uh, fairly high alcohol levels and dry ciders. Mostly they're sometimes perceived as being overly sweet. So it's a little bit different. So your ciders are a combination of different apples? It is, it is. Um, we use a lot of different blends with our partner orchard, the Orchards of Conklin. Um, they like to use a Honeycrisp Mac blend uh, as a base a lot. We get a lot of wine sap apples. We're using a lot of Gold Rush. Um, we will get into actually some experimental apples from the Cornell School of Agriculture. That's cool. cool. Yes. So we get to dabble in a lot of stuff uh, working with those guys. That's really um, cool. As of late, we've been working with a lot of Ruby Frost, which is a newer variety, but it's wonderful. It's very crisp, clean, lots of good sugar level on it. Um, it's very dry, too, when it's fermented out. So, it's And that's good. your typical style. You're, you're not doing... I mean, mm-hmm. Rich, you, you're you from the UK, obviously. So you, Scrumpy. You, you're a scrumpy. <laughs> I, I that's a, like that's a one, kid, man. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you'll like this. This this actually has a lot of qualities, like a okay. traditional uh, scrumpy, because right. it is uh, wildly fermented. Okay. So, you know, it's got a little bit of rustic character yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah. That almost tart earthy. tinge. Yeah. Yep, earthy, yeah. little phenol to it. Right. Here, I'll... Let's crack it. Let's crack it. So this is the first one. This is called... Uh, I, p- forgive my my uh, French or lack thereof, but I, I'm going to call it the Hugh- English. Yeah, because I'm from uh, uh, Palm <laughs> Huguenot, right? Yes, um, Huguenot. Um, and this is your flagship cider. This is definitely available throughout the tri-state area. That is beautiful. <laughs> oh, he's getting up. All right. Usually, usually we're getting up for this. You cool. are. Yes, sir. Yes. Cheers, man. Thanks, mate. I'm here to serve. Cheers. All right. So uh, there's. Uh, yeah, it's got a nice little, that farm style kind of haze, kind of gives you a nice little wild kind of. You definitely get apple on it, which is great. And this is a combo of three different apples. This one is, let's see what batch we're on here, four. So this would have had some wine sap, some Granny Smith. Um, this would have also had some Fuji in it. Um, I should say that into wine sap, Granny Smith, some Fuji, probably some Ruby Frost in this blend as well. Got to look back at the notes, but yeah, that's generally cool. that's what we're working with at this time of the year. Cool. That's great. Cheers. Well, uh, cheers, Chris. Cheers, guys. Uh, Gypsy. Yeah. Thanks, Rich. Brian. Cheers. 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 All right, here we go. Cheers, y'all. Oh, that's got a nice little kick in the end. That's nice. Thank you. Basically. Thank you. It's funny. When you go drier with a cider mm-hmm. and a little, to me, to a little more high ABV, mm-hmm. um, it, you lose the fact that it's a cider. And you still, I think this is really well balanced that you actually... I think a lot of people think ciders are highly carbonated. Ciders I'm used to back home are not yeah. carbonated at all, hence the scrumpy and sort of flat, kick you in the balls the next day sort of thing. Cider yeah. can be anything from still all the way to highly right. pedalant, uh, like you're saying, or right. um, sparkling. Right. Um, and there's so many methods to do that. You can use a force, car, or force uh, counter-pressure carbonation on yeah. that. You could be doing it naturally uh, in the method, uh, the champagne method, essentially, um, letting a re-fermentation happen in the bottle. Generally, you get that kind of like spumante or champagne-like carbonation level to it after that. But it can also be like a traditional scrumpy, can be light on the carb, whatever natural pedalance it gets, but not too much. Maybe the container wasn't fully sealed or something along those lines, you know? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Only available in gallon size. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It has to be finished in an hour. The the worst hangover I've ever... One of the worst hangovers I've ever had was was from cider, and that was was in... 
uh, in the UK. I yeah. was in, uh, and but they were serving cider. Actually, they rolled kegs, wooden mm-hmm. uh, uh, barrels, actually behind the bar. Sure. And they tapped them there. Yep. Super and, cool. And there were bits of seeds and, you know, all sorts of, you know. Totally unfiltered. Yeah, totally unfiltered. Unpasteurized I'm, I'm, natural cider. Yeah, I'm sure. Wonderful stuff. I think there were a few, like, pieces of appendages from, like, <laughs> you know, cider makers. But that just kind of adds a, a certain I don't know what. Uh, cider making <laughs> lore has so many different stories for weird little one-offs that you can do. Um, yeah. One historical tradition that I always thought was super weird and never tried it myself, but cider's totally devoid of uh, nutrient content or amino acid protein sort of based stuff that helps with healthy cell division and helps um, fermentation along. So the building of that uh, the colony of yeast essentially at right. the bottom of your cider. So one method I've read about in English cider making specifically, and Rich, maybe you've heard of this, is taking a slab of beef like a T-bone steak and you hang it in the cider and Obviously, it's got a lot of protein content yeah, yeah, to it, yeah. so it provides that nutrition right. that the yeast needs to eat in order to then healthily ferment the cider, which it's missing if it doesn't have that. Nowadays, we have scientific adjuncts. We can literally just use yeast nutrient right. or yeast energizer, and that's what we add in there so that we don't get the flavor of raw beef in our cider. You right. know, Is it a quicker process than brewing beer? No, it's actually a much slower Is process. Um, so, like, beer, you know, you could turn a, a quick beer around in... A week, you know, once you're done brewing it, you could be done fermenting in less than a week. Actually, they're starting to do um, yeast. White Labs is putting out uh, high-pressure lager yeast that can now turn around lagers even in less than two weeks, which is really, really... That's that's a little unusual. ...remarkable because lagers in the beer world are known as being like a two-month age at least sort of product. But cider, no matter what, if you want to do a natural clarification with it, cold crash whether or not using wine uh, adjuncts like ketosan and kielsosol, which are natural sort of clarifiers, takes around a month and a half to two months to really process a whole batch, get it to where I like it to look, yeah, yeah. and then carbonate it up and then start packaging yeah, it. it right. Yeah. Cool. And <clears throat> your, you know, it's funny because we, New York State, I mean, we've got breweries, cideries, distilleries opening up left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. Many and, cideries? Yeah, and and you bunch. There's a bunch. Yes. Um, in fact, Harvest Harvest Moon Farm and just stopped in there last week. Yeah, and good guys. They should definitely get a plug. Their beet cider is amazing. Try so it. we've yeah. actually had yeah. it on the show. You have yeah. cool. <laughs> we've actually had it on the show. But you know, it was funny. I was I was chatting with those guys, and you know, I really thought cider was really kind of produced. You know, all you know in one collective kind of way, and mm-hmm. in speaking with you and speaking obviously with you rich and the uk and and american cider Mm -hmm. they're actually kind of all produced very differently um and specifically you you were trained in like a french style um which if you can explain the differences between an american style cider sure you know sure a, um a french and a so I wouldn't say formally trained, but I've definitely, my family is French, and I, they were uh, O de V makers, and okay. I kind of have tried to lift that mantle up. It was dropped for a couple of generations, hmm. but the natural low wine product that you make O de V and Calvados from is hard cider. So that goes back, and I like to kind of like think of that as me picking up on a historical interpretation. But yeah, yeah. I have been to Normandy. I went to the Route de Seed or the Cider Route um, in uh, the Pays Doge, which is the land of the trow up in Normandy, kind of uh, two hours away from where the D-Day beaches are. Oh, wow. Um, but it's known for its cider making. 
some of the best Calvados cider makers yeah. in the world are coming from there. And old growth too, right? There's old growth apple. Old growth apples, old heritage bittersweets. You know, you get stuff like Binet Rouge and Moulin Avant and uh, all these French names that no one would understand if right. I keep going. Yeah. But um, they're wonderful apples and they have such sort of playful names to them. They translate to like the little yellow and like the, the red guy in the wind or something <laughs> like that. Like they're really... The thick guy in the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and if you yeah, if you go to the UK, it's like it translates to like the drunken Bobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The UK has some really nice varietal names on their old ciders too. Like Snubnose is one I always thought was really uh, funny, that's cool. and that's yeah. that's a good one. Um, but anyways, these are bittersweet and bitter sharp apples, and because their name denotes what they are essentially in terms of their flavor profile, they have good sugars for fermenting. They're usually small. They're not pretty. They're hard to ingest when you're eating apples because they have a lot of tannins in their skin. Almost like a crab apple. Like a crab apple, okay. which also have those tannins, which make it very hard and unpalatable when you're eating it. Yeah. Leaves sort of a residue or film on your teeth that yeah. like you're used to having when you have like something very bitter. Yeah. Um, like it's, a, it's like an unprocessed olive. Yes. So th <laughs> those ciders. Yeah. Exactly. It's, uh, I used to do that to my, my school kids. Like, <laughs> it was good. It was, it was that's cool. why you're fired. <laughs> that's why I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, look at their olives. Can I try them? Sure. sure. I think <laughs> See, you know, we took an industry step up, I <laughs> yeah. think, you know. Yeah. Congrats. But um, these are apples that are really um, not meant for eating. They're meant for – they're great when they're – you can eat them, and I've done it, and I loved it. But you, it takes a particular palate to like eating them. They're really good when you turn them into cider or right. use them for alternative purposes. Right. Um, yeah, jams, jellies, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of stuff. Um but they have bitterness to them, so they have a complexity just like wine because they're bringing tannins to the table. And what helps with that and what I noticed is in my travels in Normandy, they use less bitter sharp varieties and more bitter sweet varieties. And as I got further away from this region called the Pays Doge, further toward the D-Day beaches actually, and this is, I'll only speak to where I went, there's so much more that I need to explore in French cider. But I went up to the D-Day beaches and I was closer to Brittany and I was getting cider blends that definitely had more bitter sharp apples in them. And all of a sudden the flavor complexity started to just jump out at me because I have more acid level. You have a higher acid, tannins, and then you have good, good sugar level for fermenting. So you get a really nice and complex cider that is awakening different parts of your palate and different parts of your sensory sort of perception. And uh, that was a very cool kind of like difference that I noticed between cool. close to Brittany ciders right. and then Norman ciders. So were you, so you were you're traveling uh, and kind of developing your palate as, as you, you were doing research. You were I developing was doing research, asking all the cider makers in their caves. Uh, they call them caves there, but basically they're cellars. Um, yeah. You know, that's where they invite you in and you try their stuff. And I was asking them about their making methods. Um, speaking in my broken Franglish, essentially. You at, know. Least, at least they appreciate yeah, when you at least try. try. There, was, there was a great moment where I was in um, the cellar for Madame Fouché, who's a really good cider maker outside of Cambremay, um, where Camembert cheese comes okay. from in yeah. Pays Doge. Yep. So anyways, um, she's got this wonderful, wonderful house on top of a hill, and her orchard is this rolling hill as you go up. And there were these American expats who were living in Britain, and on a week's vacation on the cider route, for whatever reason, they thought it would be a cool thing to do. Absolutely. Okay. Didn't speak a word of French, oh, so sure. <laughs> I got a kick out of translating for them and getting them stuff. Like, she didn't understand a word they were saying. So basically, I was able to be the bridge in that moment where they were like, we heard about this stuff called Pomo. 
does she have any? Can we try it? And I'd like translate That's it. That's cool. By the end of the day, I'm doing, and this is like an 85 to 90 year old woman, I'm taking shots of Calvados and Pomo with the madame and the family, <sighs> and their kids are running around in the garden, and like, you know, they're in the cellar with me, kind of like having like this tasting with her. It was really, it was you a really were, fun you were, moment. You were probably in heaven at that point. I was loving it, yeah, That's because cool. I went there partially to visit my family, who I had never really met my French family at the time. Um, a bunch of second cousins. My dad has like, I think it's like 18 first cousins over there oh, wow. throughout like Paris, Normandy, the yeah. Banyu outside. But yeah. um, it was cool because I stayed with them. They live in a region called the Sarthe, which is just uh, below um, Normandy and above the Loire Valley. And it's on this river. They name regions in France a lot after the, the river. So right. Loire is named after the Loire liver, uh, River. This one is named after the Sarthe River. And um, yeah, they have a great apple growing tradition there. It's actually the third largest region for apples in France. Stayed there. My cousin has like this pseudo orchard and farm and got to like <sighs> kind of like hang out in paradise. And, That's awesome. And then go and do the exploration for the kind of like, hey, how is French cider making really done? And I know you asked about the differences between yeah. American and French cider. Yeah, yeah. Generally, um, there are a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so we've we, we got it with the type uh, of apple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, type of apple, you mm -hmm. know, um, I, I think most people that, you know, that consume have a basic knowledge of, of um, fermentation. You know, you mash your apples, mm -hmm. you pitch your yeast, and you wait, and then you rack, and then you, you bottle, carbonate and bottle, and you drink. Yep. But there are subtle differences um, between them, and you actually brought a cider today, too. Um, that shows a that would be the the one we just tried was really the the farmhouse uh, fermented cider um, I call it my franco American hybrid cider because one major difference between French and English cider that differentiates my seed des Huguenot between um, a traditional French cider is alcohol level dryness um, and their kind of correlation in uh, between so like for instance, that seed as you can know is 7.3% alcohol. Right. I let that farmhouse yeast actually go all the way and ferment out almost all the residual sugars from that cider. Um, I do that actually by adding nutrients in my my uh, fermentation, which help the yeast along. Keep and them help going. Keep, keep them them healthy. Going. Um, and stirring, <laughs> agitating, aerating the whole way. You're able to really um, create a high alcohol and dry cider. But in French cider making, they have a method that creates a naturally stuck fermentation. So it's <clears throat> Excuse me. Actually, the exact opposite of what I'm doing when I make my seed de Huguenot, other than it's starting from a wild culture on both sides. So what they do is something called um, couvage, when they will uh, macerate their apples, they rest the apple pulp, and uh, what the cheese essentially, or the macerated apple stuff, they let it rest after it's been uh, macerated for like up to 24 hours is what I was finding at some of so these farms I went to. So it's almost like a, like a, you're, you're getting wild yeast that are beginning to, it's, it's almost like a cold ship. Getting kind of exposed as it's sitting there, but the main purpose for it is actually to draw the pectin, and it gets a richer color is what right. some of the cider makers I talked to actually were harping on, and that's why they say they do it. But it's also for this process where the pectin leaches out of these high pectin um, apples. And what that does is when you press the, uh, the pulp afterward, you're able to actually extract a juice with a high pectin level in it. You add, nowadays we add different uh, sort of um, scientific additives, calcium chloride, uh, oftentimes as an ionic kind of bonder for this pectin. And as you're fermenting, 
the pectin all coagulates at the top of the cider, you let it sort of start naturally, you hold it cold, you make sure it's a very cold and slow fermentation so there's not too much bubbling, and this hat forms on top of the I was going to say, it almost sounds like a mother from making, it, like making vinegar. It you, kind you know, of is. Almost like a bacterial mat. It's you know? not a bacteria but in, it's, in itself. It's just literally this... Um, this jelly of yeah, pectin, pe if you can imagine it, it's like apple grandma, jelly. <laughs> it's like your grandma taking, you know, uh, Granny Smith apples and you know cooking them until the, she can literally turn that into pectin so that she can make jellies with the right, Granny right. Smith apples. Yeah. Um, so it's sitting on top of the cider. It's been bonded together by that calcium chloride, which is ionized to make it very uh, ionically charged. And then the idea is that the pectin is drawing, because it's ionically charged, all the nutrients out of the cider. Any amino acids that are there are being attracted up to the cider. The yeast colony on the bottom is very slowly fermenting, and it's actually getting stuck as it's fermenting because it doesn't have any healthy kind of uh, you know nutrients for it to eat along the way. Because it's being drawn up by the It's being drawn up by the, by the jelly on top. Yeah. And so the cider in between is fermented to about four, maybe four and a half to five percent at max, and it's naturally sweet with the sugars from the cider itself. No additives, no nothing, no capitalization. Um, it's no. literally just In the a natural, raw, yeah. wild fermented cider. And then they do this method they call soutire, which is just to pull underneath. So essentially you rack the cider that's in between the two, right. move it into another vessel, let it sit for another few months to secondary cold crash clarify. And at the end of the day, you're bottling something that usually will be um, what they call in the bottle bouche, so it's re-fermented in the bottle and it's very uh, carbonated using that method champenoise. But um, essentially it's a 4 to 5% cider and it's naturally sweet with all the flavors coming from the apples in the pressing so you don't have to, oh, excuse me, phone's ringing there. Um, so you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to add sugar to give it that flavor. Yeah. So a lot so of you're times... So you're not, you're not back-sweetening. No back-sweetening. You're not back-sweetening. You're not adding cider. It's a very, very authentic process, and you can definitely taste the authenticity. You get flavor... Com yeah. You get, like, the sort of hints of honey and mellow sweet kind of uh, juice, even though you can taste the alcohol, but it's very well blended. Um, very floral notes in that yeah. sort of cider. I... I I drank way too much while I was over there, and it's research, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it's it was research. Yeah, but I think that, I, I, that's what I told him at duty free too when I was bringing twelve bottles. Back. <laughs> this is research. Yeah, <laughs> it's research. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's research. But you know, it's funny, like because you you know most people go to the Loire Valley, and and you know a lot of people know about you know Calvados. I'm a huge fan of Calvados. Mm -hmm. I love Calvados, but I was unaware of how <clears> big um, the cider movement and cider production and it's still going on um that's happening over there and i think that's really and it's grown or is it growing or it's just always been i think the commercial end of it is growing um and the bigger producers over there are becoming right. more and more easy easily found over right. here in the united states right. um names like domaine dupont christian Druan uh from Brittany, eric bordelais who makes these wonderful wonderful se uh seed and uh, poire but, um, or Perry's and Ciders. But uh, honestly, I think that the tradition over there has been well-established for a long time. Yeah. It has had a foothold for many centuries. Yeah. And it is a trip to take because when you go, you realize that the big producers who we can find over here from there, the exports, aren't nearly the majority of what's going on there. Most of the cider makers over there and Perry makers over there are making, um, basically they have farms. 
the laws are a lot more lax from what I found in terms of how you can sell on premises or even sell to anyone <laughs> for that matter. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I sanitary standards yeah, are way, yeah. way less too. Yeah, um, I, I worked in, 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 the, in the French Alps for a summer and we went down to a winemaker mm -hmm. with uh, 12, <clears throat> excuse me, 12 five gallon water jugs and they literally just filled them up with wine people are doing it in no. their backyards oh, yeah. and they have whether or not they're a family that's been on a farm for multiple generations yeah. or they just buy a property and it has trees on it they'll and it press in the garage they'll yeah. they'll do it and then they'll sell it and i had one guy quote me he was selling like twenty thousand liters Jesus. a year Jeez. and i think on average the average french person will consume something like five gallons of cider annually so a lot of these sales are coming direct to consumer. Yep. They're going, and whether or not they seek it out or they ship it or however the hell they do it, they're basically selling off their farm stand, and they're selling through cases upon cases of cider in 750 milliliter bottles, and it's not a problem. It, so That's really the, cool. It's, it kind of, kind of reminds me of Plan B, when Plan B got his start. Right. Um, Something like that, Where yeah. he was just at the end of his driveway with, like, a lemonade stand, almost, right. except it was beer and people. And were, the Calva and Oda V makers are the same right. way. Right. You know, so the best part about going to the regions that we're talking about are you're going to run into these, like, kind of, like, um, tourism maps, right, that tell you about the big guys and some of the medium right. guys. But as you're driving around on the roads, you find, the little guys in you find all the yeah. little guys and you realize just how, how much cider making yeah. is going on yeah. and what you couldn't get your hands right. on if you weren't there. And, and everyone has, like, a little <clears throat> secret little family thing that is, I think, so historically right. important and needs to get passed down as well. Right. And I think that translates probably to any country. Right. Is hard cider still quite new in the United States? As a... A general daily beverage? As a commercial commodity, I don't believe so. Okay. Its popularity as has become grown. extraordinary yeah. in the last, like, five years. Yeah. Right. And there have been a few flagship kind of brands that have led the charge. Right. There have been major brands that have been around for a long time, and they're owned by, I think, Bulmers, but, like... Magners, Bulmer, right, Strongbow, right, 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 right. you know, the UK stuff that's been making it over here for a long while. But then New York State, we've also got Angry Orchard right. um, represented by Boston Beer. So they're okay. doing gigantic production. And they, they just opened their... In Walden. Know, in Walden, right. New York. With uh, Christ, yeah. which is okay. one of the largest, if not the largest, New York State orchard. So, like, they work right on their property that's and awesome. have the facility right there. So, you know, it... it I think that ciders have had a foothold for a long time. You talk about the boutique brands that have been around for a while. Um, I've been I've seen the name Eden at least for the last decade, hmm. um, making ice ciders up in Vermont. Farnham Hill, uh, you know Steve Wood, who runs that uh, that orchard and cidery, has been doing it since the '80s, I yeah. believe. He's thought of as kind of like the harbinger of like the craft cider movement in the United States, and has been growing these traditional. English and French, yeah. bitter sharp and bittersweet yeah. varieties for just as long. Um, they're apples that were kind of passed over by commercial growers yeah. for a really long time, and old forgotten orchards were out of vogue, and now in the last 10 years they're very in vogue for your, you know, whether or not it's someone who's a cider enthusiast like myself or a hobbyist farmer or, you know, someone who actually um, owns a commercial orchard and wants to start planting these varieties again. Uh, they're becoming much more popular, and actually, the price for bins of cider apples in the Hudson Valley is, has gone up. It's gone up a mm -hmm. lot in the last couple of years, and, and that's great to see. It is. It 
farm agriculture in New York State helps the farmers extraordinarily. Yeah. And yeah. stuff like that where supply and demand gets affected yep. by it, just the proof is in the pudding right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And how, that, how is apple growing in New York State with your variety of climate? It's wonderful. It? We've always been one of the largest in the country. I've heard uh, cited um, – I've, I've seen it cited that we're the second largest uh, state for apple growing. We definitely have – of the large apple growers in the United States, some of the oldest orchards in the, the country That's and great. some of the old, oldest orcharding practice. Yeah. I mean, even, even just talking about the Huguenots, part of the reason I find it so fascinating is they settled New Rochelle in the 1600s. Holy crap. So they've been around yeah. for a while, right. and they were back before the kind of industrialization of these small municipalities and towns up here in Westchester. Um, they were farms, and in, on the Long Island Sound, basically they would come to the Sound, you stay near the water like everyone does, whether or not it's a bay or a river. And these long strips of farms would just split the town and head up toward Scarsdale, head up yep. toward White Plains. And people would run these gigantic orchards throughout Westchester County. Wow. You still and see a lot of old uh, crab apples throughout our, uh, our immediate area, mulberry trees, that yeah. sort of stuff that they would have brought. And we've had, you know, it was interesting, two years ago, we had that, that late frost actually it was more like a late freeze and the apple blossoms um it, it killed them uh you know some some farmers in the in the northeast lost you know 70 80 percent of their crop mm -hmm. and the cool thing is those trees <clears throat> didn't use the energy to produce apples that year because they had no um no buds on them so they didn't produce so they had all this pent-up energy in them mm -hmm. And last year, I remember it was either last year or the year before. It was 2017. It was 2017. We had a bumper crop. It which was, was really nice. I I remember going up the Taconic Parkway and seeing apple trees uh, in full bloom that I had no idea were, there, right? were even producing apples. Right. You know, and obviously it was part of some old farm and just old trees. Right, and it, 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 produced, it produced apples. Going to visit you, I saw so many trees yeah. <laughs> that I, w I knew were going to bear this year. I was just looking at them. That area is loaded with it's apple, loaded, yeah. old apple orchards, yeah. Up 87? Yeah, well, he came yep. up to Taconic Distillery. Yep. And like one of the first things you were saying was like, oh, there's this orchard here and this orchard yeah, here. Yeah, and like, do you think maybe... I only knew it by like the Google map route. Right, I was, right, right, I was right, like, right, well, right. I was on route whatever, and there was an orchard over to my left. It, it, it's yeah, it's kind of funny. Yeah. Going that way. Right, right. Yeah. And in a sense... And none of them are commercial production. No. Is the wonderful part about it. Someone bought a house that had the trees on them right. for a hundred, you know, however many years, right. 50, 100 years. Come and back. all of a sudden, yeah. like, they've got this bounty that's very popular to people like me but yeah, yeah, yeah. they couldn't care less about it right you know? right. right that yeah. one that one farm that that i kind of put you in contact with right. i mean they've got they've got you know probably two dozen trees mm -hmm. well growth they need to be topped but you know they're like yeah we use a few apples for pie and that kind of thing and you know give some away <laughs> and it's like Give me all the apples. Yeah. Make cider. I will give you I'm some cider like, entertaining. Bring, <laughs> like, bring it to me. Come on in. Give it to me. That's awesome. Uh, that's excellent. Um, all right. So, speaking of cider, um, mm -hmm. let's move into our. Should we move into the second cider? Because sure. you you mentioned ice cider. Sure, sure. There is ice wine, um, which comes out of Canada, mm -hmm. and but this is an ice cider. Have you had an ice cider Never before? Do you know what an ice cider is? No, no. It's actually pretty cool. Okay. Shall I? Go Go, it. Do it. Make it happen. Okay, so ice wine, ice cider, um, both really cool products, and you're right. Uh, generally, you, you do see ice cider 
coming as a tradition from the Quebec region. I think that's where it started, but it uh, is very doable in the northern reaches of New York. We did one here in the Hudson Valley this year. We had the right weather patterns for it. You see a lot of them coming out from Vermont. Um, Eden was the place I right. had quoted. That's, that's another one. The Finger Lake region, yep. um, you get a lot of ice ciders coming out of. Uh, basically what happens is you need to do it one of two ways. Um, and I'll tell you which one ours is, our dry ice, Diner Bruco's dry ice, now available throughout Westchester, um, is a natural cryoconcentration. So this is more akin to what winemakers are using for uh, ice wine. Okay. Essentially, you let the grapes or apples freeze, freeze on the bow, um, literally on the tree. It freezes the uh, cell walls. The next time it's warm enough, the cell walls have been broken, so the water content in those cells is able to evaporate out naturally. You lose by volume water, but you concentrate the sugar of the apple, and so you're able to actually get a concentrated, more, um, not only just a concentrated sugar level, but a concentrated apple flavor, flavor right. from these apples. That's cool. So then you crush and press that. It's actually a less efficient way to cryoconcentrate and increase that sugar level and that concentrated flavor of the apple. Um, and I'll get into the second method in a second. But what it does is give you a residual bump in your gravity levels or your sugar so that you can ferment to a higher percentage. So that's a good example of what we did here with our ice cider, which is Gold Rush, nice acidic variety of apples. Um, I, I just posted on our Facebook page what is ice cider, so if people want to see it, they can do that. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, this is a nice <laughs> little tutorial for it. So this is Gold Rush apples. Wine sap apples, and those had an incredible sugar level after we uh, did the cryo concentration with them. Wine sap is a really wonderful old American variety, and it's it's a lot of this blend. So cryo concentration uh, sounds 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 painful. It sounds painful. <laughs> it's like uh, imagine like Mr. Freeze like hit the apples with like his uh, ray gun or something like that. Um, it's it's just essentially freezing. Uh, it's like almost like frost distilling or making an ice yep. bock beer, if you've heard of that technique. Yep. But you're essentially just letting the product freeze and then thaw. Yep. And in that process, you're able to get a more concentrated juice out of it. And you you also get, it, it, with ice wines, I I'm a huge fan of ice mm -hmm. wines. I don't like sweet wines, but I do like ice wines. And they have to be traditional. And the, the interesting thing with ice wines, especially out of Canada, um, they freeze on the vine. And then on the warm days, they warm up a little bit, mm -hmm. and you get some wild yeast that are on the skins, and they begin to consume sugars, and then they freeze again. And so you get this, like... And it just changes the total profile of the taste. Yeah, you get this, like, musty, kind of funky, umami kind of flavor as a result of this thawing and freezing and thawing and freezing. Same thing with the French Sauterne wine. Mm. You know, it, it's, it's called Noble Rot. And, um, you know, that definitely, you can taste the difference in an ice cider and ice wine um, that has actually traditionally been frozen as opposed to post-harvesting and post-freezing, sorry. That sort of noble rot you're talking about, we did capture that in this cider. Oh. This is actually a very clean taste, but we did use the, the wild and native culture from the Rockland County Farm that we're working with cool. to ferment this. So it, they're located in Pomona, New York, so we named the culture Pomona. Um, Why wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's your own yeast strain. It's it's a it's a multiculture, but yeah. it ferments out really well, really clean, yeah. and it came naturally from those apples. So it, so nice. it works really well. Here, let me give you guys a taste, Absolutely. and then I can get into the other. Absolutely. Why while we're doing that, um, we've had a lot happen in the past couple of weeks, so we're sure. gonna, we're going to talk a little bit about um, some new and goods. You had some things. Obviously, Rich came in without um, 
crutches. Thank you, sir. <laughs> I've gone from an infant to a uh, awkward teenager in about eight weeks. Okay. They say twice a man. What do they say? Twice a child, once a man. I think I'm going on uh, once a man. Ch- Cheers. Twice, twice a child. child. Yeah. Uh, and milking it. <laughs> but you came in on your own two feet. I did. So off the crutches, off the cast, and hobbling well. That's awesome. So um, I should get my special parking ticket in the mail any minute. That's so uh, I can milk that. So you're, you're, you get an actual handicap. I do. Which actually could have worked, you know, maybe yeah, you maybe weeks ago <laughs> when we didn't get yeah, when yeah, we yeah. got slapped with parking tickets across our. Uh, across the road. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we got on the driver's side. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Just a little. Yeah, so on the men with that, um, as you know, we have chickens, so we just got a whole new set of baby chickens coming. You saw that? We That was on our Facebook page. Uh, Rich is a chicken whisper, by the way. Nah, not really. Uh, just... you, dude, complete chicken whisper. He's a chick man. Here's to you. you here's to you being a chick, Thanks, chicken mate. whisper. Thank Cheers, you. ice cider. Cheers. First, first ice that's awesome. Here we so go. this one is 8.5% because we got that residual kind of concentration of the apples there before we crushed and pressed it. Uh, the other method you can use is actually letting the juice, crushing and pressing the juice, and then letting the juice actually freeze, and then thawing it and taking the, the ice floats on the top, and you take the concentrated so juice out of your valve right. on the bottom. Right. Yeah. That's cool. It's, yeah, I, I, it's, just it's so smooth. It's, it's very, is it wrong to say it's got some champagne notes to it? I appreciate that. Okay, Good. good. Um, it definitely it I, and I'm not a fan of champagne. We we make our ciders. And I try and elevate it a little bit. You know, like you were saying, you got your worst hangover in your life from a yeah. cider. Yeah. I like to give people their bang for their buck, and the drier it is, the more alcoholic it's going to be. The more flavor you're going to get yeah. out of that, and you're going to have a better time the day of, and then less residual sugar giving you a hangover the night the night after. Actually, a buddy after. of ours just posted on this thread. What's the difference between what we're drinking and scrumpy? It's just the concentration of. The concentration of the apples, type of apples, um, scrumpy, usually, like we were talking about with that Huguenot cider, um, to answer your question, will have a little bit more of a tart profile to it or a rustic profile, right. kind of uh, gets a little bit more acetobacter exposure, and what that is in layman's terms is just vinegar exposure, so it has a little bit more of a tart. kind of like tart vinegarized taste to it, right. um, which is something that's standard in a lot of cider profiles, like Basque region cider, a lot of American producers are now making, quote-unquote, um, Basque region or Spanish-style ciders, which have that kind of vinegarization to them. Um, Just because sours are so popular now. Yeah, And yeah. a lot of them are branding it as sours. The nomenclature gets a little confusing when you get over to the United States. We like to make up our own names for a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I, I like a Basque-style, m- minus all the violence. You know? Well, I think in the American palate, if you start saying... If people start understanding what the difference in types of sours are, then if you know that most sour ciders are coming from a vinegarization rather than a... um, In sour beers, they use a lot of lactobacillus. Yeah. Lactobacillus is known for giving a more of a candy sour taste. So if you look at the ingredients on, like, Sour Patch Kids or Sour Straws or something like that, you'll see um, lactic acid. Lactic acid, yeah. And that's a totally different profile from what... A sour cider will give you you know the vinegar sour has more of a kind of like um it's more intense it's also a lot more complex and not as one-dimensional it's going to give right. a lot more flavors as opposed to a very one-dimensional just lactic it is acid. it is and it depends on your your preference and tastes yeah. what you go for um you know 
I don't often see a uh, vinegarized beers being pitched that way, you know. So yeah. it's it's really about perception, palate, and what's popular and in vogue in the way that we present it, right? right. This, I mean, <clears throat> what outcome you're looking for at the end of the night? I would I would drink this all day with like, you know, like well, a good you, a good like some heavy cheese and like charcuterie. It's I, I think too it, easy. Yeah, yeah. It's got a nice ability, I think, to cut through something like a good, like, Roquefort cheese or it's those, even seafood. I think it would be phenomenal. It's seafood. the tannins and acids in here, man. Yeah. I, I really, my general pH level, I mean, this is technical, but, like, I like to r- ride around, like, 3.5, 3.6, which is fairly low. You won't see beers that low usually, um, right. unless they're sours. But it's... Uh, it makes a more complex beverage for yeah. the consumer. Yeah. You know, the acids cut the tannins, and the tannins bring that bitter level to it. And you've got this—you're always going to have sweetness because it's coming from apples. Yeah, depending would, on what apples it is. So you don't just want it to be sweet. That's one-dimensional. You, you want know? it balanced. You want yep. it. You want the whole thing. It's you know Some it, aftertaste. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you. In the end. So Rich brought something to go along with it. Well, I figure all these eggs I'm having, I should try and <laughs> venture out with. I told you he's an egg whisperer. But I think, I think what you made, which I don't... I've it, never heard of it until yesterday, so I'm looking for egg recipes. Are you, are you hungry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Jersey, you're hungry? Okay. Okay, so this is called a roulade. So basically... I don't know I've had beef roulade. Have you? Yeah. yeah so just... basically, it's a pastry made out of eggs and flour. Okay. And mm-hmm. uh, baked and then... Basically, you put whatever filling you want in the middle of it. I did um, spinach, uh, mushrooms, onions, and um, what do you call those things? Uh, sun-dried tomatoes. Thank you very much. And uh, you bake the crap out of it. And uh, Yeah, it almost looks like a souffle. But Sounds like a quiche minus the pie crust. I, exactly. Exactly. Uh, it's a bit like a meringue. I made meringues last week. Mm-hmm. We didn't get time to eat them on the air. But uh, basically, it's just... Yeah, egg whites, um, mm-hmm. meringue sugar as opposed to this is flour. Uh, bake the crap out of it and um, do what you want. So, yeah, it's it's very souffle looking. You might want to chop some of that. Some of that. What? So what's this? I this just salsa. I just right. thought that might right. work a little. It might taste like crap because I've never made it before. But so what inspired you to make it? Um, Cider. Sure. sure. <laughs> oh, All right. And a shitload of eggs. I don't know what to do with. Well, you should have brought them here. I bought them to Gypsy the other week. So we Listen, we're running low. I always can use uh, some more I'm fresh on eggs. It, on it. Right. So, uh, just, just real Chris, uh, quick, Chris. Yeah, yeah. Some of the creamiest eggs I've ever had before. Scrambled eggs I've ever had before from from a fresh. I've never had like straight from the farm eggs before. So, what do I have to do to get my hands on? Uh... <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll come and visit you, loaded with eggs. Yeah. Do Sounds you, good. Do you guys have? I'll a, trade you some cider. Perfect. Do you guys have like a tasting room? So right now we're in the process of trying to find a spot to build out a proper tasting room. Right. We do open our spot for, um, basically we have some uh, taps that I've rigged up, and I'll open my spot for a scheduled appointment just because I have to shuffle things around to get yeah, people yeah, yeah. in my shop. It's pretty chalk to the, the brim, but yeah, sure. um, we will do it on a scheduled basis. Oh, you're showing off the X. <laughs> I was like, I'll take one. Um, but just give me, if you're interested in coming by Diner Bruco, uh, give me a call. My number's on our website, our Facebook, our Instagram. And we can po- set we'll something up. we'll post it on this thread. Awesome. So um, that'd be yeah. good. There you go. Cheers, mate. All right, I'm so excited to have this with you. I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? I don't know. I'm you nervous for it. You made it. <laughs> that's why I'm nervous. <laughs> Rich is one of the best cooks, chefs, whatever, and you so... I like to experiment. Yeah, but you don't uh, give yourself enough credit, I think. I'm all right with that. 
Um, and that's good. You're 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 too humble. People would expect too much. Mm. All right, I'm giving it a try. Here we go. It'd be nice. It'd be. I'm trying to imagine it warm. So am I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's really nice though. Pretty, yeah, it's not. Light. It's not souffle-y because no. of whatever the flour and it's actually really good and goes really well. Mm-hmm. I think with the cider. What have you mm. been up to, mate? A little bit of a suntan going on? Yeah, is it show? No. I'm feeling I went tanning. <laughs> went tanning. I, um, <clears throat> what's been going on with me? I had uh, a hell of a time in the Bahamas. Um, went there for a week. We went to an island called Abaco. Um, it's a less touristy kind of um, island. Okay. And um, we were between a place called Marsh Harbor and uh, Treasure Key and um, and with some islands off the coast. And um, definitely not Nassau. This is not like Nassau, Paradise Island. It's not clubs and swimming pools. No, no. It was 20 minutes to the nearest like little cafe. And um, it was God's country. It was – I was up for every single sunrise. Um it was absolutely beautiful. I, I posted a couple pictures, um, and um, if you get a chance to go, yeah, that was uh, that was sunrise. That was like a typical sunrise that you see. And um, I mean, the clouds just sitting there right on the horizon. Oh, it, it just—it was unbelievable. And there's a lot of old reef kind of off where we were, and um, you can't spearfish. You can't uh, with a spear gun. Okay. Uh, in in Bohemian waters, you can use a Hawaiian sling, or a pole pole spear, which is basically a long spear a w- with a Hawaiian a sling. Sling sounds like a banana hammock. It, <laughs> yeah, but it's not. It's not. There goes that. No, picture. it's okay. a, it's a bit sh- it's a bit sharper. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> spear and all yeah. fish. Yeah. I mean, it has a thing that a hole goes in, but uh, you know. <laughs> Um, and, um, yeah, you say, oh, God, those photos, just unbelievable. But we, um, we had a chance to go down and do some pole spear fishing. Um, you can't be on air, so we were uh, just free diving. And um, one of the things that um, is encouraged down there, there's a, there's a couple of things that, w- that I was seeing more and more. Uh, there's a lot of restaurants down in the Bahamas um, that are turtle-free, which sounds crazy. Um, but a lot of traditional restaurants still use sea turtle to cook. Um, but a lot of restaurants are opting out to do that, which was really neat. Um, one of the fish that we did get was, uh, do you know what lionfish is? Of course. Yeah. Isn't that poisonous, though? Yes. That was my, okay. qu- that so was I, my question. I think there's a photo of it. Work? So you see the photo of it up there, right? So lionfish is up there. That's one, that's one of them that we, we pole-speared. They've got um, you know, uh, just over a dozen very poisonous spines. Um, if you're careful uh, to not get stung by them, um, you bring them in, and um, they're phenomenal, and they're invasive. They have no known predators. Somebody just let a lionfish go from their tank because they felt bad in Miami, and it's the, it was a pregnant, it was a pregnant female, and there are now lionfish derbies all over the place, all over the Caribbean. Um, they are eradicating, the lionfish are eradicating small reef fish. So diversity levels are going down. So we ha- it, it's open. It's encouraged. It's encouraged. And um, we actually met up with a restaurant owner um, who is going to uh, most likely do a lionfish derby and, and bring lionfish on tacos, basically. Because oh. um, everyone, everyone, wants, everyone wants, I'm losing my mic here, everyone wants a grouper. 
and groupers just overfished. There's so much out there. So it was, it was phenomenal. So that's pretty much what I've been up to. There you go. Um, and then I had a very interesting experience with... Um, oh, Food Network. Yeah. Do it. So you know Food Network, right? Who doesn't? Okay. So we went... Uh, we were at... I we did at, not know that Food Network had restaurants. I did not know that either. Um, we were at Fort Lauderdale Airport. By the way, never go to Fort Lauderdale Arguably, Airport. Arguably by connection, there's one here in Portchester, actually. A Food Network Real. kitchen. Well, there's Mario Batali's place over yes. here, Terry Lodge. Well, this is, He's not exactly Food Network, but uh, right. been he's, on the shows enough, right? He's a little bit on the down low right now. Yeah. And um, so he... Uh, so basically, Food Network has this kitchen, and uh, you can go to Fort Lauderdale Airport and sit down, get food, and <clears throat> you think it would be like this amazing Food Network quality. It was it, it was awful. <laughs> you know, I had a I had like a wrap sandwich, and it, there's a photo of it. It's just it's it's lettuce, <laughs> it's lettuce on a wrap. So it was a little disappointing. Yeah. For Food Network, I was kind of a little bummed. And, yeah, and we had the, it says on the menu there are these homemade Bloody Marys. So you know, mm. my wife and I are excited to get a Bloody Mary. There's a sandwich. Oh, it's lettuce with a piece of chicken. It really is. No, it wasn't even chicken. It was garbanzo beans. Yeah, and um, and so the Bloody Mary. She's like, she's like, don't say anything, but it's not our Bloody Mary mix. I know it says it on the menu, but it's not ours. I'm like, oh wow, okay. I'm like, I didn't get a picture of the Bloody Mary. She's like, it's ocean spray. <laughs> you're just that, <laughs> yeah. you're you that kind of guy as, people want to give ours. secrets to. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right, I looked right, at yeah. you and she was like, like you need to know this. She's like, you need, you need to know this. <laughs> Infowars.com. <laughs> oh, dear. So, Don't put it on Reddit. Uh, I know. So I was like, I was a little disappointed. So I, you know, and then like, I'm a, I, I watch Food Network and I, it just, was a, it was disappointing. Disappointing. There was no craft beverage. There was nothing. It was all Brown Foreman, all, you know, big, big brand name kind of stuff. So, I don't know. It was kind of, it was, a, it was disappointing. That's all. That's my new and good. That's all I got. I like it. Okay. There we go. Let's do the third cider. We are Let's do wrapping it. up in time. We've got yeah, like I know. 10 minutes. I know. All so, right. This is exciting. This one is partially thanks to Matt, actually. So uh, Matt and I met at a farmer's market here in Rye. We're not dating. We're just kind of seeing each other. Oh, at yeah. farmer's market. There's a, there's a little barrel exchange going on. Yeah. So he, uh, he and I kind of <laughs> like hit it off. Is that what they call it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. What are the kids calling no, it nowadays? No, 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 no. Yeah. Barrel exchange. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were talking, and he was saying how it would be really cool to do a cider-aged bourbon. And I have experimented with bourbon aging with my cider before with bourbon barrels. That's cool. And I was talking to him about his making method, and it all kind of checked out for what I thought was a good process for distilling. And the mash bill sounded really cool, so I was like, let's give it a try. So Matt was nice enough to deliver one of his barrels to DeChico's in Brewster, which is one of my accounts. Sort out, yep. I uh, picked up, um, oh yeah, we have uh, our products on the shelf, and right now we've got the cider that you're, we're going to try on tap there. So if people want to try yeah. our uh, cash urn and bourbon cider. Did you see the April Fool's joke from uh, the Chico? I did. It was pretty ridiculous. I was so excited. It was awesome. It was. They were, they were going to... Um, One day. Yeah. That's a, a vision for the future, right? It was. I was very excited. But the Chico's is like, a very big, it's a mecca for craft beverage around here. Well, they helped put this together, too. The guys behind the counter there, I mean, Vinny, Greg, Vinny, Greg yeah. Chris, the Chris, Rob. Chris the whole, is gone. The whole, Chris <laughs> is gone now, yep. but, uh, you know, the three remain, and those those dudes were really psyched about your bourbon specifically, 
And they kind of pushed well, me. They said, "It's not my bourbon. I work for Taconic." Well, you are the the master distiller. I am not so. the master distiller by any means, but um, but I, but I'm but I'm a, a semi important person. Let's put it that way. It's it's pretty good. <laughs> okay, thanks. We'll put it that way. <laughs> he can drink. Um, so, anyways, they were telling me about your stuff, and I know I I basically had said I'd met you and I wanted to try it, and they were like, "Well, let's see what we can do." So, via those guys, the collaboration happened. You Great. drop off the barrel. Yep. I go back, drop off some product, pick up the barrel. Two months later is a couple of weeks ago. I pull the stuff out of the barrel. I usually like to do a nice light aging with bourbon. It can yeah. really take over the, the flavor profile with right. cider. Yeah. Um, cider doesn't hide anything. You know, with beer, you can really cover up. You can futz around yeah. with your with some dark grains, nice robust grains. Right, you can right, right. really, really hide a lot of flavors and sneak chocolate in there or coffee right. or right. things that are very, very oysters and lobsters. Oyster, oh, yeah. yep, yep, exactly. But so I like to do a nice light age with bourbon. I usually air toward two months, and that's where I like to sit it. So I put it away, put it in a timeout for two months. Took it out about two weeks ago. Went up to see Matt at Taconic to give him a keg. That's cool. um, and that's basically where we're at. My ciders are always, you know, apple forward, cider forward. Anytime I do a cider flavor pairing, like we do a miso cider, um, that one, the miso is very subtle. We do we a lavender. We had the miso a few weeks ago, right? We had it a few weeks ago, and you were, that was just on the New York Times. It was. Good. We, oh, were, we were really, really, thank you. Thank you. And, and thank you to Orr, the writer who works with uh, Frontburner. I mean, that article was so flattering and wonderful, and we, uh, being that we're in front of the public for five months, I couldn't ask for more yeah, yeah, as yeah. a new company. It was so cool. And it's about it's about <clears throat> you know going outside of your comfort zone a little bit. That's it, what it, that cider represents. Completely. I didn't even come up with the idea. It was my best friend, and he suggested it. I immediately turned him down, <laughs> and then I thought to myself, you know, this is the year of doing saying yes instead of no, right. and trying new things. Right. Yeah, and we did a home batch, and then we liked it. We started scaling it up, figuring out the process at scale. Um, but that was, you know, that was the combination of being in the right place at the right time and saying, you know, I'm going to try something that makes me uncomfortable. Right. Yeah, Good. and that was really cool. What yeah. came out of it? Yeah, and that, I'm I'm hoping that was the miso th cider, but the barrel that you gave back to us that we barrel aged. Your ice cider, in. and this is the barrel exchange. You this know what those barrel, kids are doing? Yeah, yeah. a little bit, a little bit of back and forth, if you know what I mean. <laughs> um, I, I'm hoping that we can we can fill it with bourbon and do a New York uh, ice cider finished bourbon, um, but that's not up to me. Um, I can only influence. Um, but um, use all of your influence. I will try. I will try. Um, so let's give this a try. Yeah. So, so this is this is the same ice cider we were just drinking. Same blend of apples. Okay. Um, it actually got another tenth of a gravity point in the bourbon barrel aging. So this is eight point five percent, not eight point four. Wow. And what we did with this was ferment it with a champagne yeast instead of letting the wild culture take it. Okay. Um, I just wanted to keep everything very even since we were doing this collaboration yeah, yeah, yeah. with this barrel. And after two months, um, you still get. A lot of cider forward notes, but you're going to get more kind of like vanilla off it. You're obviously going to yeah. get the bourbon character. You're going to get the char, the, the oak. oak. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's nice. Let me, let me come around and pour right. you guys. Oh, cool. And this is in a DeChico's uh, Crowler. So Crowlers are the new, uh, you know, aluminum. Yes. Uh, which they are got. ounces of joy. Yeah. Sublime had it wrong. That's such a great idea. I love, right. yeah, you know, it's... Um, and this is what they're going to be uh, shipping via drone direct to your house yes. soon enough. Yes, and I just uh, I posted that on our Facebook page. Uh, on I love that the, theory. Is starting a drone delivery service. Wait, who is? 
the Chico. <laughs> Chico's. That was that. That was that April Fool's. I was all. Uh, I was all up. Drone delivery. I'm like, sign me up. My wife's like, it's eight bucks just for the delivery. I'm like, we'll have five of them. Next day. Cheers. Cheers. So this is a two-month barrel-aged ice cider brought to you by Diner Brew Company and uh, Chris Sheldon. And Taconic Distilling. Oh. Mm-mm. Oh. And you do. You get an edge of bourbon on that. Isn't that good? Yeah. We make this every day. We're keeping it rolling. We actually just filled um, or swelled the last barrel that Matt gave me. So when we, you know, gave him the cider barrel back, the bourbon with the cider aged in it, he gave us another bourbon barrel. I hope we can keep this rolling. Rolling. It is. It's phenomenal. The oak gives it this kind of buttery mouthfeel to it. Um, it. It takes down a little bit of the acidity and just gives it a different profile to it. It's totally different. And, like, it's cool that we had the two Hold ciders back-to-back now because yeah, right. you can really see the difference. The acid. Too, right? one, what you just said is the biggest thing I noticed, too, is that when you barrel age with your barrels, the acid content that was on the initial cider really gets much more subdued in the flavor yeah, profile. Right. And I get so much vanilla off of it. I get a lot of vanilla mm-hmm. and a, a, a nice mouthfeel. And I think, <clears throat> obviously, that's the residual bourbon, those caramel, that butterscotch, that vanilla. Mm-hmm. And, and, and probably the, the, the three char on it is probably helping to uh, the mellow stuff. out some of the, um, the acid on it. But, um, to me, I love it because it tastes like there's a shot of bourbon in it. There you go. Straight up. That's just, it. And right. Just, I mean, and it's all cider. And it's all cider. Yeah. So it's like, and it just flows down. See, now, yeah. I, would ha- I would love <laughs> this. It. I would love this at a bar. Mm-hmm. Oh. Give me like a 12, not 12 ounce, like 8 ounces of this. No, that. Tw- yeah. tw- give, me, give me 24. We, yeah. right. Give me the Applebee's yeah, yeah. 32 <laughs> ounce, like my life sucks give me beer. A challenge. <laughs> right, right, right. Let me get a boot of beer. Let's take a hurricane around this bayou, please. Do, yeah. do that and a shot of Taconic bourbon Ooh. side by side. Yep. Sip, you know, and and an Uber. Well, what was nice was right. Matt was nice enough to give us some of the uh, private reserve that we were able to, you know, just. And try along the way, just and just bit. just for a taste reference, you know, yeah. it's all it's all about research. Yeah. A little bit of wetting the barrel, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and dare I suggest maybe we figure out some combo of this plus something at Smokehouse. Oh damn! Like with some ribs. I mean, this would just be amazing. That would. Be I got to talk to Anuma about I'm just it. Saying. Yeah. I would yeah. love to do. Uh, you know, uh, 72 ounce of this, it keeps going up. Uh, <laughs> I'll take a gallon. You know, a gallon. Where's the IV? You know, bourbon and like ribs, like combo. Oh. And uh, I think that'd be phenomenal. Sounds easy enough. Um, dude, I cannot thank you enough. Um, Chris, this is. I'm been, psyched on the project. Uh, yeah, pretty yeah the, you know, it really brings a light to what cider making is and what it will be and what it continues. Um, oh, thank you for saying that. It's. Um, it's it's great to be on your show, guys. Thanks for having me. On. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming awesome. on. Um, we like to um, we're gonna yeah we're gonna be finishing up. Um, you can find Diner Brew Company. Uh, just go to their website. We posted it on our Facebook page. Mount so, Vernon, Mount- to Cortland Street, and Mount Vernon, right off the end of the two train. If you're coming from the city and oh, there you go. exit, uh, I think it's 10C off of the Bronx River, but two exits south of 287. Absolutely, and a couple places that you can purchase Diner Brew Cider, mm-hmm. um, the Chico's. The entire DeChico's chain, you can get our bourbon barrel cider in only five locations right now. We did a special release. Beer Noggin, you can get it at halftime. You can get it at DeChico's, Larchmont, Millwood, and Brewster. 
So look for us in all those spots. And, and you guys Westchester. were in the movie theater in Yes, Yonkers. we're, oh, we're yeah. in Yonkers on so Central that. Park Ave at the Alamo Draft House. They've got Alamo our, Draft uh, House, that's awesome. great. It's awesome, man. Uh, they've got our miso cider for the Isle of Dogs release, the Wes Anderson film. Cool. Yeah. All right, and we'll, po- we'll post that on our Facebook page, yeah. too, of some spots you can get it. Um, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Awesome show. Uh, you are welcome on any time. Thanks, um, guys. And uh, make sure you look us up, Rogues on the Road and um, Gypsy. Thank you. Gypsy's always in the as corner. Always, always has. Always has our back. He's a man. And uh, we'll see you. Uh, we'll in see you in a in two a, weeks. Two weeks. It's gonna be a fun one. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Cheers. Chris. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Carry on. This is Rogues on the Road with Matt Froman and Rich Marshall, where we talk food, travel, craft beverages, and everything in between.